you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. What a wonderful, wonderful time, I believe, two of our, of our children, one or two of our children, five of our children received the baptism of the Holy Ghost or were refilled with the Holy Ghost. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. And then Saturday, we had a work day here at the church, and I know it being such a busy time, I was concerned with how many could be here. I don't know, but we had a swarm of people, maybe 40 or 50 people that showed up, and we got a lot of work done. Well, between about 10 and 2 o'clock, and uh, things are wonderful. Things are wonderful. And pray with us. We have one little hiccup with a contractor that we were trying to get resolved on Monday morning. And if we can have that resolved by noon on Monday, uh, we will be having a fire and building inspection in the north building on Monday afternoon, Monday evening. And that building will be able to be used during the awakening. So we're excited about that. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to begin with verse number 6 from Colossians chapter 2. I felt terrible about not being able to be at prayer yesterday evening. I received a last-minute call 
uh, with one of our churches in Noblesville, Pastor Kanata, last night, and the Lord swept in, and we had a wonderful time, and I felt your prayers. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6. As ye therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. I'm glad I know Jesus this morning. I'm glad I know who he is. I'm glad to know that he fills all the Godhead bodily. Amen. With the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about being aware or beware of discounted religion. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have inspired in my spirit. Lord, I pray today that every heart in the room may be open to your word and your spirit and your power. And God, do what only you can. And by all means, give the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and our need to repent and be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray this morning that you touch every heart, every mind. Anoint your servant today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Be seated this morning. Martin Luther said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Perhaps this best fits in the liberal theology of the American church today. A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through a Christ without a cross. That seems to be the liberal message that is being preached in so many churches today. This is why we must beware of discounted religion. Jesus dealt with the issue of cheap religion in Matthew chapter 15 when the scribes and Pharisees came to him saying, why do the disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they wash not their hands when they eat bread? But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? He answered them with a question. And then he declared, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy to you saying, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain, he says, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. There is a thread all through Scripture that reveals that there is a real danger that is loose in the world since the beginning of time. And it is the danger of discounted false religion. 
the words discounted, half price, final sale, can get you running to the sales counter and reaching for your credit card quickly. But the, the truth is that cheap often comes at an outrageously high price. In the market saturated with increasingly similar goods, price is often the ultimate winner, winner. My wife goes to the market. Sometimes I ask for specific things. If it's mayonnaise, I mean Not Miracle Whip, not off-brand, but hey. Some things you must buy the original, the real. Because if you buy discount, there is very distinctly a difference between the real and the discount. Inexpensive, inferior, bootlegged brands. Street vendors, black market, even box stores can quickly show their true value in their production and reproduction comes at a very high societal cost. It was only in 2009, if you recall with me, that factory outlets hit their all-time high, America's number one tourist destination. How quickly in 15 short years times has changed to now the online market is the driven destiny. The fastest growing segment of non-web-based retail were the inexpensive factory outlets. At the outlets, the designer shirt, pair of Levi jeans, or a coach bag is often displayed in the window, but when you enter into the store, there is only a small display of the higher priced items while the sign out front says prices slashed, 50% off, massive discounts. People swarm into the store to see only a small selection of the designer brands, but a building filled with off-brand Brands you've never heard of before that they brag as being just like. In the church world today, we hear similar phrases such as, well, we're very much like. While in reality, they're nothing like at all. Go to the discount centers for rugs and mattresses and furniture. Almost everything uses some similar strategy as soon as a marketplace will allow the name brand to be duplicated, it is quickly duplicated, built in cheaper factories with, with cheaper products and cheaper materials, although to the untrained eye, it would look exactly like the real. A few days ago, I met with friends who were discussing an overseas trip. They had each had a similar watch. One was purchased in Switzerland and another was purchased in Turkey. They were telling me, go to Turkey, they said. That's where you can get the knockoff brand that it even is so close that it even fools high-end jewelers. 
It looked the same to me. One cost thousands of dollars and one cost $129.13. I would have said it's the same. They both agreed. The visual eye cannot see the difference. The untrained eye certainly would never notice the difference. So people flocked to the discount black markets of Turkey to quickly grab the jewelry or the watches and even other products from electronics to home goods that even carries the insignia of the original. But in all reality, they are a knockoff. Colossians chapter 2, our text picks up and begins to talk about such doctrine that would be preached and was even preached in that day. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Colossae, Beware lest any man spoil you, lest any man ruins the real in you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world, but not after Christ. I come to you to declare to you this morning that the Jesus that I preach to you in this pulpit today is the same Christ that died, was buried, and rose again. And although I preach from the notes that I put on an iPad, I almost never walk to this pulpit and certainly never intentionally without at least walking to this pulpit with this book by which everything that I teach and preach must be founded. Because if it is not founded in the Word of God, it is the philosophy of men, and it will spoil you by vain deceit. I come to you this morning to declare to you that there is but one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one gospel that was delivered to the saints. Anything that comes preaching anything else, the scripture said, let him be a curse. If we are an angel from heaven, come preaching any other gospel, let him be a curse, the scripture declares. I want to tell you today that we live in a season where the world don't want to pay the price for the real. They look for shortcuts. They look for route, easier routes. But the Lord didn't call us to an easier life, but he called us to take up our cross and follow him. But he didn't say, my load is heavy, but he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't ever let anybody tell you that standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is too heavy for you to bear, for that is some tradition of men. But I come this morning to tell you that He came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. He came today to make the way possible, not make it impossible for you, but to make it possible for you. And I want to tell every person in this room this morning that the high priest 
price of prayer and sacrifice and faithfulness that the church has been embarking on over the last 30 or so days is a price that is worth paying because what happens is a real anointing, real salvation, true outpouring. That's what happens in an atmosphere of people that are willing to pay the price for the real. I love good music, but you can't sing well enough to sing the anointing down. I love great apostolic worship, but you'll never make enough noise, clap enough hands, or shout enough hallelujahs to cause the anointing to fall. But I will tell you this morning that when the people of God become faithful, when the people of God begin to pray and sacrifice and worship and be obedient to God, get ready, the the real anointing of God is going to fall. As I look around, why do you suppose that in America there are close to 100 million church members? Yet, of these 100 million church members, they are not making a greater moral or spiritual impact in their world. I'll tell you why I believe it is. It's because they have a form of godliness but they deny the real power thereof. They want the anointing without the cost of the anointing. Why is it that on Sunday morning thousands of churches have more empty pews than full pews? Why is it that only half of those in America that call themselves church members can actually be expected to attend church on a given Sunday morning? The answer is simple. But tragic, America has bought into the discounted doctrine of cheap religion and a salvation that does not cost them a dime. Come as you are, stay as you are was never the motto of the early church. Jesus said, come out from among them. The reason that the church is not making more of an impact in the world that we are in today is because there's a lot of church members around the world that have bought into the idea of cheap humanistic religion that costs them nothing. It's completely human to place very little value on things that cost you nothing. If I don't have a skin in the game, then it's so easy for me to just give it away. But when it's your blood, sweat, and tears, when it is your prayer and it is your sacrifice, the cost means begins to mean something and the buy-in becomes a little more natural and a little more real. This is what I come to tell the church this morning. It's time that we rise and stand for righteousness in these last days. That it is time that we contend for the salvation that was once delivered to the saints. The seriousness of discounted doctrine can be compared to a missile that is aimed but only one near degree off at a distant target. The difference seems so slight and so insignificant at first, yet the result in the end ends in error. And even in times of war, casualty, human casualty by civilians 
It is increasingly dramatic as the flight gets further. In the beginning, it's only one small adjustment off. It's only one degree off. But the further that it goes, the further off it, is, it becomes. And the wider margin by which that it eventually misses its target. So it is true with false doctrine in the church. At first, it may seem like a small, tolerable mistake. It's maybe just a difference in the way we use a word or two. Be careful about changing the vocabulary of the apostolic church. Be careful, be careful, because with heirs, the effect compounds over time until it can easily lead us into total destruction. I'm not preaching a political message this morning at all, but I want to tell you that small things begin with small increments of degree. But before long, it is a wide, there becomes a wide margin. And before long, there becomes two different beliefs on something that one time we agreed together on. There was a day I would doubt that people would ever agree in the church over political issues such as abortion. But then today, even in the church, it seemed that people rise up and become uh, angered over political issues that are connected to things such as abortion and other very obvious political and moral issues. But I come today to tell you it never was a political or a moral issue. It is a biblical issue because the Bible teaches us it is totally wrong. Even the mention of it causes some of us to become uncomfortable because the pulpit has become silent over issues of differences. This may be strong doctrine for some in this room this morning, but I'm telling you that if the church fails to stand up for righteousness and godliness and holiness in these last days, we will lose the aspect that brought us to where we are as a church. Come on, apostolic church. It's time we rise up in these last days and declare this is the final authority. You may be my friend, but my friend can be wrong. I can love you, but you can still be wrong. Come on, apostolics. We've got to have one Lord, one faith, one baptism preached and lived out. We've got to have holiness and separation from the world preached and lived out. We can't be moved by cultural trends. The Bible has always been counterculture. Come on, church. We've got to stand strong, throw our shoulders back and declare, thus saith the word of the Lord. I'm not trying to push people away this morning, but I'm calling people to make a decision to lay aside the traditions of men and turn our hearts toward God, toward His will, and toward His way. While I preach a strong message to call the church to repentance, I want to tell you that there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. But I also want to tell you this morning 
that no man has ever gone too far that grace can't save them and bring them back. I want you to know this morning that God is reaching for every person in this room regardless how far you've walked away from truth, regardless how much you have exchanged truth for fables. I want to tell you this morning, there's hope for you. There's a God that loves you. There's a place for you in the kingdom of God. But it will call every man to repentance. The thing about the Bible is that it leaves no stone unturned. It calls every man, woman, boy, or girl to the point and place of repentance. But the destination will cost us commitment to the journey. Unfortunately, when churches become filled with members that have never totally committed to the cost of discipleship and reached a point to where we would rather say, Prove to me and show me, rather than me say, mine ear has not opened, but my delight to do thy will. Instead of it being show me, let it be God I want to show you. I don't want to do it because there is a list of rules and regulations. There's somebody that comes and says, I'm going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. That's why this church doesn't come to you and say, here's you a list of do's and don'ts. But this preacher does come to you this morning and tell you, when I have a relationship, that means that my relationship brings me to the point of wanting to please my master, wanting to please my savior. When I look at the cost of the cross, it's very little for me to say, what can I do to please him? It doesn't matter what other people think, but first I want to please Him. My sacrifice is very small in comparison to His sacrifice on the cross. There's a reason a lot of people never get off of the runway of the church. But they stay on the fringe, on the edge, always frustrated and wondering, why? Why can't I find my way into the middle? Why can't I get involved as I want to? Why can't I feel the liberty that I want to? I'm going to tell you why. It's because you have to reach the point of total commitment. When you get on that jet to fly, when they finally push out from the the gate, usually late, and they get out on the runway, they lock the brakes and they accelerate forward. Or if the, lo- wrong, the runway is long enough, they accelerate full throttle. And that big jetliner begins down the, the runway and it begins to further and faster, further and faster. And before long, you begin to feel it trying to leave the ground. But they have everything fixed to prevent it from leaving the ground. And then there is a point when everything adjusts and you feel everything begin to to shift. And at that point, that jetliner is committed to leaving the ground. It is totally committed. If at that point, if if at that point, that pilot would pull back the throttle and would change the trajectory of the wings and everything would shift, it would end in total disaster and chaos and a loss of a plane and perhaps all the passengers on board. They have to be totally committed to flight. What does this have to do with the message that you're preaching this morning? I'm going to tell you. 
just give me a moment. Brother Price used to tell me, you can't say your name in 10 minutes. It just takes me a while to get there. But I'm about to make the point. That jetliner has to be totally committed. That pilot has to know this is the point of no return. I'm going to tell you why so many get down the runway and they like how everything's feeling and they're like the jetliner with the engines forward and everything's bouncing and everything's ready and it's like oh, I'm about to take to flight. I'm about to. I'm about to take to flight, but why don't they get off the ground? Why don't they leave the runway? Why don't they get in the air? Why does it happen? It is because they lack the commitment, the total commitment to know that if I pull back at all, it could end with a spiritual crash and burn. I hope you're with me this morning. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but if the word does, I do apologize if I do, but if the word does, let it make an adjustment in your life. What I'm trying to say to you this morning, that if you've been around the church, if you've been around the kingdom of God, if you've been around the preach word of God, and you feel like, yes, I'm making some sort of of effort. I'm making a little effort. You know, I hope God sees my little bit that I'm doing. I'm going to tell you, you will never get off the ground. You will spend your entire time running around on the tarmac and never taking off for flight. But when you make the full throttle commitment of I'm never looking back, I'm not looking to the left or to the right, but I'm going to step in with everything I have. I'm reaching for somebody this morning that that's been thinking about walking to the front of this room and repenting of your sins. I've been talk I'm talking to somebody this morning that's been thinking I may want to get baptized somewhere down the road. I'm calling you to a point of decision because you're never going to get off the ground in your Christian faith until you can commit this morning to saying yes to God. I'm not waiting somewhere down the road and wasting my time but it's full steam ahead this morning we've got water ready we've got robes ready and we have altar workers ready I want to tell you that this is the day of salvation you need to say yes to God if somebody comes along and tells you there's another way I want them to show me in this book because the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ Stand with me and I close this morning. The Apostle Paul issues a clear call. When he says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God? That word present 
In Romans chapter 12 is a technical Greek word used to offer a sacrifice. I want you to understand that this word present in Romans chapter 12 is a voluntary act. It's not an act under distress. It doesn't say I command you, I force you, or I even beg you. But instead, what the apostle says to the church in Rome, what he says to the members that were there that day under his the sound of his voice, he said, I offer unto you an opportunity to present, to bring your sacrifice to the altar. And he goes on, Paul says, which is your reasonable service based on what we have received. It's just logical. It makes sense. It's reasonable. It's logical. It's logical that we would pay the price. It makes sense that we would commit ourselves to God, not partially, not just coming and saying, well, I believe in God, that's enough. That's a great first step. But any gospel that says, that is preached that says all you've got to do is just believe is not taking a full step into Scripture. Because nowhere in Scripture do I find where believing has ever been enough. Because believing calls for an action. No, I'm not saved by my action or my works. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite is true. I'm saved by His blood, and I'm saved through faith. I'm saved by the grace of God. But that grace doesn't give me a right to continue on down the same path that I was always already on. But how many of you know that that grace calls us out of that life that we one time lived? calls us to make an adjustment in our life and start walking down the road of Christ because belief calls us to repentance. Repentance is that point of turning around, the changing of mind and the changing of action. I'm going down this path, but I'm turning around to walk down another path. And once you repent, the early church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room they came and said men and brethren what much must we do to be saved the apostle Peter stood up with the other eleven and he said to them you gotta repent I've made that point clear this morning but he doesn't stop there he goes on and he says and you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ What's the point about the name of Jesus Christ? Because there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Because without calling on the name of Jesus Christ, nothing really happens but we go down dry and come up wet. But when we speak the name of Jesus, we invoke the name of Jesus over you. In obedience to the word of God, the scripture said there is a promise 
which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the gift of God, the free gift of grace. And I could go on and call it all the attributes that the Scripture speaks about, the Comforter, our hope of glory. And on and on the Bible speaks of the same gift. It says that gift belongs to you, and it is yours. But you've got to make a full commitment. God's not going to come and just force himself on you. You've got to make a decision. And through my simple way of preaching this morning, I bring you to a point of decision. We're to the point of decision this morning. What are you going to do with this opportunity that God has given you? We're not promised another day, another week. None of us are. The youngest to the oldest in this room, no man knows his time nor his day. But I can tell you he's given you this moment. And he's here in this room for you this moment. And he's reaching for you with grace and mercy this moment. I'm asking the church to pray with me right now. Because all over this room there are some folks at the point of decision. You've been walking the edge of, of, of the kingdom of God. You're almost there. But you've just got to make that total commitment to step in with everything you have and say yes to God this morning. And I came this morning to call you to that point. Would you step from where you are and walk to the front of this room today and say yes to God? If you haven't repented, come forward and repent. If you need baptized this morning, we have ministers ready to baptize you this morning. Come on, it's up to you. Would there be some in this room today that would say yes to God? No one's judging you. No one's looking at you. No one's staring at you this morning. But why don't you join these that are already stepping from where they are? God's calling you this morning. Come on, walk to the front of this room. Walk to the front of this room and say yes to him. I'm not looking for an easier way. I'm not looking for a discounted religion. I'm not looking for some, some passive, easy living way. But I'm ready to step in with a full sacrifice. And I present my body to him this morning. Holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Come on, there's room. Keep coming forward. Church, step forward. Step forward. Make room. Step forward. Step forward. Step forward. Step forward. Everything I give, I give to you. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is in the room this morning. God's still dealing with those this morning. If you're at the point of decision, make it today. Don't be lost. Don't be lost today. Let him give you hope. Hope of the resurrection. Hope of eternal life. Oh, I surrender. I surrender. Come on, church. Come on, church, talk to the Lord this morning. Talk to the Lord this morning. Come on, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you.
on, church. Let's reach to God this morning. There's still room for more. There's still room for more. God's still speaking this morning. There's still, there's still room. There's still time. Oh, God's calling this morning. He's calling this morning. He's calling this morning. He's calling this morning.